Hey, everybody, before we get jumping into the podcast, I just want to remind you that this is the right time to start your photography side hustle. Whether you want to sell some prints to, you know, make enough money to buy the gear you need for photography, just have that even write off. Or maybe you want to start your full-fledged photography business. Right now is the best time to do so. And to do that, to know how to do that in the next 30 days and get an idea on how to do that, go to myphotohustle.com and start that journey with a free webinar that's going to show you exactly how to do that and lay out the steps for you. Again, that's myphotohustle.com and get started right now. Hey, what's up, guys? We're here with Michael Shane Bloom joining us from the Bay Area. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on again. This is awesome. Michael's, yeah, it's your second time on the podcast. Um, I've seen you've been updating a lot of videos to YouTube. Um, your channel has grown pretty significantly. Why don't you fill us in on why you actually decided to start a YouTube channel for your landscape and nature photography? Yeah, for sure. Um, why did I start? So I actually started my YouTube channel um, a long time ago, but in its early conception, I guess it was mostly for some a few tutorials and some like you um, time lapse videos and things like that. I didn't take it very seriously until about I'd say like 2019 or so. Um, and I, I started kind of getting more into the vlogging side of it, you know, really like showing my face on camera and, and, you know, filming the behind the scenes of the adventures. And, uh, the reason I wanted to do that is because, you know, I, I was feeling like I, I wanted to tell stories through the artwork and through the photographs. And I was finding that on social media, it was a little tougher to get people to really sit and and absorb an image. Um, Instagram probably being the the worst culprit for that is like people would tell me, you know, oh, is it, I stopped scrolling to to you know check check on your image. Your image caught my eye, so I stopped scrolling. And it's like, I think that's an interesting statement. Like that's kind of where we are through social media and photography is like, I stopped for like a second because your image caught my eye. It's like, well, you know, we really should be viewing these photographs and these artworks for longer. Um, and I was like, well, it'd be fun to show everything that goes into taking a photograph, right? Like all of the adventure, the, uh, the success, but not only the success, also the challenges and the difficulties. And then, you know, I can put the image on the screen, talk about my thought process, why I took the photograph, um, what the ideas are. And I find that people are, are more willing to listen if it's in a video than they would be to read a description that's on, let's say, Instagram or something like that. So it's been a really fun way to just kind of like put out all my thoughts on photography and and I've been a really appreciative of everyone who's kind of like subscribed and joined and you know I think I've it started out a little rocky like I wasn't you know I'm still figuring stuff out but I feel like every year I've kind of gotten a little bit better at the whole being on camera thing and understanding what type of 
you know, personality I want to put out there. I think there was like a little bit in the beginning where I'm trying to maybe put on a bit of a presenter voice or something. And then I think a few friends were just like, just, just be yourself. Just do, do you. And um, yeah, it's worked out. So, you know, it's worked out for the last few years, just kind of doing that. Besides the voice thing that you kind of alluded to, and maybe um, I think the temptation is there when you first start one to be somebody that you're not and kind of because you watch other videos and maybe those have influence on what you think a video might need to be. Uh, what were some of the other challenges that, let's say, a photographer who wants to start a YouTube channel may run into that you can share where they kind of leap over that learning phase? Yeah, cer certainly the whole like putting on a presenter voice and doing something because, you know, we see that a lot of the most popular channels and things, they're they're very quick, they're very in your face. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. It catches people's attention. But you you don't need to necessarily do that. Like if you're just your your own genuine self, I think people can resonate with that. Um Challenges, I'd say the biggest challenge for any photographer who wanted to do videos is the fact that you're essentially going into another craft that is very tough to do. Um, there's a lot of elements that, you know, as photographers, like you can translate similar things from photography into video, like composition, lighting, um, you know, but then you're taking into account audio, which is its own animal, just figuring out good audio, um, how to edit the audio, how to mix with music, video editing. Um, so there's a there's a lot of learning to be done <laughs> from if you're going from like the photography side to the to the video side. I think that if somebody wanted to start like if a landscape photographer wanted to start a channel, what what maybe is the easiest thing to do to start is to just do some nice cell phone videos of like behind the scenes clips of where you're at. You know, you can do whole videos that are just shot on your iPhone or your Samsung or whatever phone you have. I mean, the quality is great and the audio is pretty decent in, in those devices. So no one needs to do what we do necessarily. Like you don't need to put together videos with, tons of music and editing and slideshows and, and effects and titles. Like you don't have to do all that. Um, certainly it helps when you are growing and building a style to, to get into that skill set because, um, you know, it will appeal to more people, I think when the production quality is higher, but if somebody just wanted to, to start video, I think that's the place to start just like filming behind the scenes clips on their phone you know, getting used to talking into the phone and, and, um, yeah, that, that's a good way to do it. I think. I think that's great advice because it's always important to remember when you're starting something new like that, your, your first video is probably going to be pretty bad. Um, and, and just knowing that going in, I mean, if you relate it back to photography, my first photos were pretty bad. Um, my first videos were pretty bad. My first podcasts were pretty bad. Um, so when you kind of know that going in and you kind of take the mindset of maybe I could just learn along the process and just get 1% better 
every single time that I make a video. Um, I think that's the right mindset to go into it. And, and one of the traps that I feel like a lot of photographers, when they think about starting a YouTube channel, uh, or starting anything new really is that immediate success. And it takes several pieces of content videos to kind of get the ball rolling and get people used to your channel. Did, did you go through that at all when you were starting out? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was, you know, you, over time you grow, the more you experience and the more you work, you put into anything, right? Whether it's video or photo or cooking or like fill in the blank, the more experience you have and the more you're, you're investing into that craft, the better you're going to be at that thing. Right. I mean, of course there are people with you know, natural talent for one thing or the other. Like, for example, I tried, I tried playing guitar. I'm not really a musician. I realized that's not what I'm naturally good at. I tried, <laughs> I tried really hard. I tried for like two or three years and it just, I could never really figure it out. And I'm sure if I put in another five to 10 years, I could probably figure it out. But naturally for me, that just wasn't my thing. Like my thing is, is you know visual like if anything visual art wise um i found that i could pick up a little quicker than some of the other <laughs> things i've tried you know hobby wise or whatever um but yeah certainly with with the videos like i look at back at what i was doing in 2019 and um even though i did have some video experience you know i wasn't all that competent in front of the camera like i would I would start filming myself and realize I don't know what to say. And then I would start thinking about things. But then when I'd, I'd say the things to the camera, they would come out not very natural. Um, my audio never, like it didn't sound that great back then because I didn't really know what I was doing with the mixing, um, the storytelling aspect. Like I would get all this footage from a shoot and realize I don't entirely know what this video is about even, you know, and, and that took a while uh, just to kind of learn. But yeah, over time, I've just sort of figured it out and um, like I'm just way faster at editing the, these videos. I can film them easier. Um, I can just sort of put, you know, press record on the camera and just start naturally talking about what I'm doing and and get some interesting audio because it's genuine. It's the genuine reaction I'm having to being in a place, you know, and talking about the process of photography instead of before, like maybe back in 2019 or something, I would turn the camera on and be like, uh, uh, uh you know, and not, not really, you know, I would just, I would just ramble about stuff that didn't even matter when in reality, it's kind of like you just, need to forget the cameras there and just do what you would normally do and and talk as if you're talking to a friend or somebody, you know, Hey, what is this experience? Like, Hey, what am I feeling right now? Hey, why is this photograph so difficult to take? Like, what are the challenges that, uh, I'm, I'm encountering right now. And then it ends up coming out pretty interesting because it's almost a little bit candid in a sense. I mean, obviously the camera's there, so it's not, but it feels that way. Um, when you kind of just forget the cameras there and just talk into it. So, yeah, but you get better over time. You get better. Like I look back and eat stuff from maybe 2020. I look at, you know, 
three or four years ago, like some, some things I could have improved on in certain videos and some things that I would do differently if it was now. So, you know, and then, and of course the same goes with photography too. Like you just start growing. So. Yeah. Consider this weird. And I know, no, this is weird on, on my end. One of the ways that I kind of got better at that of talking to a camera, especially with tutorials, um, selling courses or just filming tutorials on how to do something. I actually created like a make-believe person and mm. talk directly like to that person all the way down to where they live. Like they have a name that's, they have a name where they, where they live, their age, what their interests are. And I like just pretend that I'm like talking to them every single time I do a tutorial or video and teach them. And number one, I think that helps you get a little bit more comfortable talking to the camera because you're relating it to like an imaginary person. And number two, um, you make it much more personal in, in the experience. You know what I'm saying? No, that's a good way to do to do it. I'm I'm not certain if I've made an entirely new human. Look, not everybody <laughs> has a Drew that they talk to. Not everybody has a Drew. If it works, it works, you know. If it works, <laughs> it works. Um Yeah, I think just like getting past the fact that you're talking into a lens, like it's yeah. a camera. Um you have to remember that if your intention of putting this out on the internet is is to reach other real human beings you have to look past the lens and realize that you're actually at the end of this talking to humans so the camera is just the the transportation device to talk to to other people like-minded folks who have similar interests so yeah it's just a bit of a uh, it's just like a weird thing to do at first and it's a bit of a beer uh uh kind of like a barrier, I think, but you, you, you get past it with experience, I'd say. You mentioned storytelling in your videos. Um, how important is that? Do you feel to the success of the experience, not only for the resulting photos, uh, but also the experience that you're interacting with your viewers on when you're making that and the success of the overall video? Yeah, I'd say it's it's pretty important to have a story, um, which I found is not the hardest thing to do with photography because every adventure that we have and every experience that we have does it has some sort of story. Um, you know, I mean, some are more boring than others, I guess. Like if you just went to the park and you didn't see anything, and you were like, "All right, whatever." I'm going to go home. <laughs> I guess that's not a very compelling story, but I, I feel like most photo adventures have some kind of story. Um, sometimes with like making videos and I don't do this that often, but there have been a few videos where I've thought of the story before I've shot it. Like, okay, I know what this video I want it to be about. Like maybe I got a new lens and this adventure is about me trying this new lens or something like that. Or maybe there's like something I want to talk about within settings or within like a specific technique. But I, I found most of the time, like I just go film a bunch of stuff. And then as I'm like sitting there editing, I'm like, Oh, that was the meaning of this trip or that was the meaning of this experience. Or that was the thing that, that, 
you know, there, there's always some sort of theme, some, something that stands out. Like, for example, the last videos I did were all in Ireland. And for none of, none of those videos, I had any clue what the story was supposed to be. Like, I just went out and filmed a bunch of stuff. But I realized after looking back at the footage, like the last one I put out, it, I, I found myself like really using the wide angle lens and the conditions were so challenging because of the wind. And, and, and I was like, well, this is perfect. This, this is how to get, you know, compelling photography through really difficult, challenging weather. So that ended up being that video. And then, you know, there was other situations where I went out like four or five times and the waves were massive, like giant, giant storms. Um, and I shot it all on my telephoto lens. So I was like, oh, okay, great. Even though these were shot over four or five different days, you know, with things in between, I'm going to combine all of that and make a whole video on telephoto wave photography because I feel like that's a great theme and, and it fits into a story. So even though some of what I shot in the last video I put out, you know, like I, I shot those on over the course of three days and there was like gaps in between where I'm also shooting the telephoto wave stuff. I'm going to separate those two into two different stories because I feel like those are the themes that, that work for that. And I think if it was maybe 2019 or 2020, I might not have that, that storytelling ability down. I might've just done it all chronological regardless. And then I would have ended up with maybe like three or four videos that all kind of have similar stuff in them. Like there's almost no reason for four of them to exist. Whereas now I'm, I kind of have done this long enough to where I'm able to figure out which stories need to be told and how they need to, you know, work. Yeah. That makes total sense. Now, when you're going out and I've, the reason I ask this is I hear it from a lot of photographers, um, something that, that I know they've made changes in how they go out and create videos and also create photos at the same time. When you go out and you have a dedicated day to film, you have a dedicated day for photography. Um, how are you staying focused on one or the other while doing both at the same time? Yeah, I'd say I don't have one that's dedicated for video, one that's dedicated for photo. I'd say that um, a good eight, I'd say 80% of my photo shoots that I do are just photo shoots. I don't even pull out the video camera. I don't bring the vlogging gear. I have no intention of doing any video at all. Um, and that allows me to just be in the moment with photography take pictures and not think about anything else. Because when you do add the video equipment, the experience changes very fast because you now have to set up multiple cameras. You have to film B-roll of yourself hiking and doing all this stuff and talking into the camera, which does take away a bit of the personal experience of being in a location. So I, I found that they're like, I'd say 80 to 90% of my shoots are just photo. And then I have the other percent, which I'm dedicating to filming a ton of video. And in those instances where I'm filming a ton of video, um, it's basically like a whole day thing. And, you know, where somebody might, 
say, oh, okay, I just want to do like an hour or two sunset shoot. Like if I'm filming a video, then that needs to be like a five to six hour shoot because of all the extra stuff, the talking points, the B-roll, the hiking. Um, you know, there's just so much more to consider. So yeah, that's kind of how I break it down. Um, so a lot of the times in my videos, I'll have these moments where I'm just like, a good example is um, I did one in in Utah where it was like this big landscape photography kind of tutorial vlog. And there's moments in the video where I'm like, and then for a few days I wandered with my friends and here's what I captured. And it's like, that's because I don't, I'm not going to film every day. It's so tiresome. And I feel like doing that much, you know, extra video it's not going to make the video any better. And it's also going to distract me from taking pictures. So I found that there, there does need to be a balance there. I, I did one Yosemite video um, that was like 15, 20 minutes long, but I was in Yosemite for like a week. I just filmed, you know, two or th I think I filmed like three or four of the outings, but that's out of like so many more outings that I did just enjoying and taking pictures. So I think that, that sometimes when people see these vlogs, they assume that people are only filming video when they go take pictures. But I don't think that's the case. Um, the last thing I'll say on this, just because I feel like I'm rambling at this point. The last thing I'll say on the video photo thing is... I, I've had a lot of people say, well, doesn't it distract from taking pictures? Don't you feel like you're taking worse pictures because you're doing video? There have been instances in the past where I've found that to be the case, where I tried to film too much video or I tried to do this and that, and either the video sucked or the images sucked. Um, and immediately when I realized that was happening, I stopped. I stopped. And I was like, Basically, my rule of thumb is if there's any idea at all that I don't have time to film a video or that if I pull out a video camera, I'm going to miss a moment through my photography or I'm not going to be able to be as creative with my photography, I, I stop. I won't do any video regardless of how epic the conditions are because at the end of the day, I can always, if I really want to put those images into the video... I can just tell people the conditions were amazing and I felt like I was rushed. So I focused on my photography. Here's what I shot. And then I can still give the ideas of, you know, what it was like to take those pictures. Um, but I'm not going to sacrifice my photography to get, to get a YouTube video. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think a good rule of thumb and, and this kind of piggybacks on what you were saying is like, if you're taking photos, and then you think, you know, could I film what I'm doing right now? And your instant reaction is like, it wouldn't make it any more fun than it already is, or it would make it less fun, then you probably shouldn't do it. Because um, we're photographers in the first place. And that's yeah. what we do. Um, and it's it's like, if it's not a if it's not an immediate yes, it's a no, right? Uh, and you shouldn't shouldn't really do it because it'll water down your experience taking images and and that's that's what we do absolutely i mean it's like you just don't want to sacrifice and 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 that's something that also you do learn over time is like time management you know budgeting your time a bit better <clears throat> like i've become pretty good at multitasking like i can set up you know a camera to film myself and do that and then get photos 
you know, without sacrificing one or the other, whereas maybe a few years ago, that would have been very impossible to do. So it, again, it's a, a, that's something that just comes with experience and time too. It's just like learning how to budget those things. Are we reaching a point in like this kind of age that we're living through where there's so much video taking over that photographers should be adding it to kind of their repertoire of something that they need to, to improve on or work on or even take up? Maybe commercially. In what way? I feel like it seems more difficult now than ever to do commercial photography um, in the sense of like commercial landscape and travel and scenic. I mean, most of the time, if, if somebody is hiring for that type of project, it is, it is video. It's less photo. Um, it's not, not quite as many commissioned landscape photography projects. I think that photography is always going to stand like, you know, photography is always going to be its own craft and especially seeing images. There's nothing better than seeing a big photograph printed on the wall. Right. I don't think video can take that over. I mean, obviously you can get a screen and put a video on the wall, but it's not, it's not the same thing as getting a photograph printed on, on beautiful paper that you chose, you know, and it's, it's a different experience, I think, but certainly on social media, it seems like video is taking over. And, and if we, the, the evidence for that would be platforms really trying to, to push you know, these short form videos, like you've got YouTube shorts and Instagram reels that are essentially trying to mimic what TikTok did. Um, and a lot of photographers on social media, rather than posting images are posting uh, videos that have images in them, or, you know, it's a lot of like behind the scenes of them, you know, shooting and giving tips for that or something like that. I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but it is a different it is a different thing um, than the photography side of it, but yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's it's kind of tough to to say. I would say that you know, video is definitely on the rise when it comes to social media and and things like that. You know, I, I think that's undeniable. Yeah, and commercially, you make a good point because if I think back to talks that I've had with clients. Um, the video stuff is always on the table. Uh, looking back to, to some of the stuff, first stuff that I booked um, a while back was with like just a tourism board for Tennessee. And they did want photos, but they their main you know thing that they wanted was like just a one minute long video of a trip, you know, canoeing down this river that, that they were kind of featuring in this, in this um, bid that they were doing on. And I, that's kind of when I first started to think about, you know, maybe it's time to get pretty serious about this um, yeah. and kind of get really good at video and study it and learn it. Um, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, too. I think that going through that process and learning video made me in turn a better photographer because I saw things just slightly different. Yeah, I would say so. It's, 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 um, I mean, definitely it's a good skill set to have regardless. Um, like I've been doing video a little, I've been dabbling in video 
kind of since I started photography, I've sort of done both together um, just because it was something I was really interested in. But yeah, I mean, video also now is more accessible than it's ever been. Every camera that we own shoots video. You can shoot all your video on your phone and shoot it in 4K, yep. ProRes, you know, high quality. So I don't think there's really any reason not to do some video or to dabble in it if you're a photographer, um, unless you just, it's just, you're not interested and it doesn't matter to you, then then you certainly don't have to. But I think from like a commercial standpoint or a lot of professional photographers, it's a good thing to have under, you know, in your skill set, I would say. Um, compositionally, I would agree with that because even though composition is is something that is shared between between photo and video, there are elements um, of composition through video that that we don't think about as photographers, like a lot of the times making something cinematic. Um, I, I found that through video, like, you know, filming video, I've been able to, I don't know, maybe it's taught me a little bit about minimalism. Um, mm. It's also taught me about rather than seeing exactly what's in front of me, also sort of anticipating what's next. Because with video, you're filming, you're kind of filming into the future almost. Whereas with photography, it's easy to just get caught up in that one thing that's happening in that one moment. Whereas, you know, with video, you are kind of anticipating that next thing. I think a lot of that is also time-lapse too, because I do a lot yeah. of time-lapse photography and you really have to anticipate the future when it comes yeah. to filming time-lapses. Um, but yeah, I would say, I would say learning understanding composition within video does help with photography and vice versa. I've seen a lot of photographers come into video and, and really do well with the composition and the lighting because they're so used to it through doing photography. So I think both are transferable. Yeah, definitely. It's one, I was thinking about this while you're, while you're answering one thing that I feel like has, has kind of made me a better photographer through video is the audio portion. Uh, because, and it's kind of like what you were saying with anticipation, if I'm sitting there doing video, I'm constantly thinking about what it sounds like and what that audio is like for the viewer. Um, and it sometimes has triggered like me to look in a certain direction because you have this background noise or something going on. And it led to maybe not like this big grand scene, but it's led to like a very minimal photo of like some leaves that were light was hitting just right or a tree that mm. uh, I never would have turned around and noticed if, if I hadn't been focused on on the audio part. Interesting. I've, I've, I've never thought about that side of it. I could see it though, for sure. Like just being really in tune with every little thing that's happening because you have to worry about more than more than the visuals. Yeah, that's interesting. Let me let me yeah. ask you this. Um, you know, I know we've gone out to shoot Death Valley together. Um, and I was before we jumped on, I was looking at your website, uh, noticing that you had a Death Valley workshop. Why dive into the workshop game uh, and kind of look at that as a means of income for your photography and also using it as an experience for people who want to come shoot with you? 
Well, I, you know, I've, I've never done workshops like full-time, full-time, like doing, I have friends that do like some 20 workshops a year or something like that. I've never done that. Uh, I've always done a few a year. That's kind of like do them in between other stuff. But uh, the reason I started them was because I think it was a combination of like a lot of people were asking for them. <laughs> they were like, oh, do a workshop, <laughs> you know? So I was like, okay, <laughs> I'll do a workshop. Uh, but also I, I, I really enjoy teaching uh, as well. I find that that's a passion of mine. Um, and it's just so rewarding when you can, you know, share an experience with somebody else and you're sort you sort of like you know maybe they they were struggling with something and then something finally clicks and you see that moment where it's all coming together and um yeah it's it's just fun i enjoy it from from that aspect i mean financially obviously it's you know for a landscape photographer it's a great way to earn a living because you control you control it right you're, you're controlling these trips you're scheduling them out you're you're relying on your own audience and not necessarily just waiting for clients to come to you with projects. Um, so it is, it's a more, I think it's a little bit more um, like a controllable way to earn a living. If, if that's somebody's interest, like I would say if, if anyone ever wanted to get into workshops, they just have to really be passionate about the teaching side um, you know, I, I don't just do it because it's what photographers do, uh, do it, do it because you enjoy it because you like teaching and, and you want to share with people. And if you don't like to do that stuff, there's other avenues to earn a living as a photographer. You don't have to teach workshops, but yeah, definitely it only, only if it's something you, you feel like you would be passionate about. Yeah. And, and those people that you know who do them full time did you lean on them to kind of bridge the gap on that learning curve of actually scheduling those and setting up because a lot of people who who don't do them don't really see that part of the scheduling the the certifications the you know permits that you have to get yeah the the permits are well depending on how many places you need to go shoot and what permits are required it can mm -hmm. be a little annoying um getting a permit isn't that bad though um yeah logistically like i've had a lot of help from friends you know just working with them um yeah it's i i, I that's probably the thing i'm the worst at is the logistics side of a workshop like you know i'm booking i just hate booking things even for sure. my own personal trips i hate flights and booking hotels and all that stuff like yeah. i think my skill set is better with the teaching side of it like the creative and technical teaching and really bringing people out to places and um i'd say like logistically for locations you know that that side of it's more fun for me i'm like i know where the light is going to be here and there yeah. and i can give people you know all these compositions it's it's the like hotels and travel and accommodation that i'm like Ugh, this um yeah it's just a necessary thing though like you know you just got to do it if you're going to do workshops but um yeah that's that's one of the reasons actually i have i've been <laughs> i've been a little uh slow to put together my 2024 workshop you know actually open them up because logistics are just like my least favorite thing <laughs> 
that's <laughs> that's fair i mean if you think about it um when you're setting it up you kind of have to decide are you going to go the route of letting people kind of choose where they want to stay like maybe this is the suggested place that you stay and they can book there if they want uh here's some other options uh different budgets or is everything provided in the workshop um and obviously price differs on those pretty significantly and, and when you were creating did you have to learn how to market those um and kind of go the business route and learn how to actually market them to people who are doing workshops um the only marketing i've ever done for workshops is just tell people they exist okay um I made sure like if I'm going to do a workshop somewhere that it's something that people are already kind of asking for. Mm. So I've gauged, you know, like people email me being like Oregon coast. Yeah. Death Valley, you know, Dolomites, places like that, Faroe Islands. So um, I've made sure it's a place that like, it's usually a place that I've already photographed pretty well. So I know all the location or I know a decent amount of, lo of the locations. I have a portfolio there. So people are, you know, maybe wanting to go to that place and, and, you know, see what they can capture there. Um, but yeah, marketing wise, like for myself, no, I haven't had to do anything crazy marketing wise. It's just letting people know the workshops are there. Um, post pictures of what they're going to see, talk about what they're going to learn. I don't do anything else from there. And um, I haven't gone through like any crazy marketing SEO pitches either because um, I want to make sure that if somebody joins a workshop that there's somebody who, you know, maybe already watches the YouTube channel or has like looked at my work for a while. So you want them to know what's involved. Yeah. And, and they already kind of maybe know me as a person yeah. too. Um, I don't necessarily want to attract people who like don't know my work because i feel like maybe that sets a different expectation like maybe they'll have a different expectation from what the workshop actually is and you know my main purpose here like obviously if somebody joins a workshop they're going to get cool pictures probably more than likely they're going to get pretty cool pictures and you know try and get them best conditions they that we can within reason. Um, but really the, 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 the main purpose for me teaching a workshop isn't necessarily to get people epic pictures. That's just something that will probably happen through the workshop. The main purpose is teaching. I want to yeah. teach people how to take pictures. I want to teach people how to see things differently, how to express their own creativity and take these things that they've learned on a workshop or a tour and apply it to their own photography when they're back at home or they want to do another trip. I'm not necessarily just like a photo guide. Mm -hmm. um, not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just I want to make sure that I set up that expectation that, you know, I'm really there to teach the creative side of photography and, and teach the skill sets necessary to get out there and and be a photographer, you know? What do you love about teaching photography so much? Just sharing what I know with other people and seeing, you know, how, how I can, you know, improve what they're doing or, 
or help them to see things a little bit differently. Um, and just the, the best part is just the joy that people get being out there photographing and you get to share it with these people, you know, and, and, and share that experience. Um, that's the thing about teaching that I find to be more rewarding than some of the other, you know, things we do as photographers. Like if you do a, a commercial shoot or something, it's, it's a little different when, when you're out there with people and, and you kind of see them, you know, click the shutter and then they, they look at the picture and have this, this moment of awe, you know, it's, it's, yeah, fun. definitely. It's really yeah, fun. I, and I think with like when digital cameras started to get pretty big um, and I'm not trying to like say that I'm this antique photographer. Cause when I was getting into photography, it was like digital cameras were already around, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm 36, I'm not that old. So when you have, this this dawn of digital cameras and the accessibility and how easy they are to use um i think that's when teaching really got started as a means for photographers to kind of use in their business um and also use it as a way to teach not only that but like the reach that we have on the internet and our ability to to inspire people that way too yeah, no, I, I mean, definitely the influx of, of people teaching workshops have, have been, you know, it's gone way higher with digital photography, but also with social media. Yeah. Because then, you know, a photographer will see somebody else market a workshop and then say, well, you know what, I can, I can do that too. And then they market yeah. a work, you know, it's just naturally you're going to have a lot more people teaching. Um, I mean, there was a lot of people teaching photography back just with film too. I just think sure. a lot of people weren't really seeing it quite as much. Like it's not something you're seeing constantly, especially not in our industry and, and, you know, with how accessible things are with social media now. Um, yeah, that, that'd be, it'd, it'd be interesting to, to just like teach an all film photography class back then. And yeah, that'd be wild. Know. Yeah, right. It'd be really interesting. <laughs> Different challenges for sure. Different Absolutely. challenges than what we have to deal with now. I, I'd say. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Uh, I do a new theme, a new um, repeating theme on the podcast. Now it's called "Repeat After Me." So, I I say a statement and I don't finish it. Then you repeat the statement and finish it in your own words. Okay. I'm going to be terrible at this, but sure. Okay. Well, we're off to a great start then. Yeah. Um, photography is more enjoyable if. You're having fun. Right? That's that a good Yeah. One? Yeah. Right. I mean, that's pretty good. I mean. Just have fun. <laughs> photography is fun. It's supposed to be fun. I mean, unless you're dealing with like ice, icy weather and it's like before sunrise and it's like 70 mile per hour winds. Then it's like less fun. It's more fun when you get back and you're like, well, at least I dealt yeah. with that experience. But most of the time it should be fun. The they make for great stories though. Those are the best stories when you're when you brave that like if if you get in the car and you can't feel your hands anymore because you've been like photographed, not because you have like blood clots in your arms or anything, but like because of the cold weather and you can't feel your hands and uh, like your nose is cold and you're, you've got to take off all your gear. I think that's a pretty fun day to have. Yeah. 
in my opinion. <laughs> I guess, f- yeah. Fun looking back on it. <laughs> Fun looking back on it. There we go. <laughs> Photographers can get better by what? Taking pictures. More or less? More. <laughs> you think? Okay. Man, uh, you are really bad at this game. F- photographer. Well, okay, sorry. Say it again. <laughs> Photographers, Photographers can, get better. can get better by taking more pictures. Okay, there we go. Well, taking pictures works though too. Yeah, take pictures, <laughs> experience. Okay, more experience more, than, than not. Get out there, take more pictures, edit more pictures, have more experiences with photography. That's better. A photographer should start a YouTube channel because. Photographer should start a YouTube channel because I almost want to replace the because with if. Okay, do it. Yeah. Because I don't think having a YouTube channel is a great idea for a lot of photographers. Um, Why? It's just so much work. Yeah. It's so much work. And if that's not... a a photographer's natural like interest like they don't want to make videos you know like we do then i don't think anyone should feel pressured to do that because most photographers don't have a youtube channel and are doing just fine doing what they're doing right Mm -hmm. still doing workshops still selling prints still doing all the things that you know it's it's really just I think that if somebody was going to start a, a, a YouTube channel, they should do it if they want to get into filmmaking. They want to film their experiences. They want to tell stories through video, through that medium. And if somebody has no interest in that at all, then there should be no pressure to, to do so at all. Just because I feel like it's you're, you're basically giving yourself a ton of extra work that you're not going to have fun doing. And that's the last thing you want to do. Definitely. You started pretty shaky on that game, but I feel like that last answer was really strong. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I told <laughs> you I would be bad at it. That you did give me a warning. He's Michael Shane Bloom. Michael, tell us where people can find you. Um, sign up for your workshops and um, subscribe to your YouTube channel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my website, shanebloomphoto.com. I've got like, workshops and videos and all sorts of stuff to to check out there and then um the youtube channel if you just type in my name i should pop up on good old youtube or instagram facebook twitter all the uh, is twitter even a thing x it's 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 called now yeah i don't know if you type my name into a place chances are i'll show up if you want to if you want to say hi um but yeah you can find everything on my website too Michael, thank you so much for joining us, sharing your thoughts. Appreciate it, man. Absolutely, man. And uh, yeah, we'll have to chat again soon.